Welcome to Catholic Money Talk, where we talk about all things money and finance, and we try to do it through a lens of being Catholic, where our ultimate goal is to one day be in heaven with the Lord. I am your host, Paul Scarfone. Thank you for being here today. So today, I want to talk about the rich young man. I've heard some people of faith arguing that being poor is more virtuous than being rich, or, or it's holier to be poor than to be wealthy. And we're going to look at that today and understand a little bit of what the church teaches. But before we do that, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We ask you for all the grace and wisdom that we need to face the challenges or circumstances that we find ourselves in. We know that you love us and that you have a great plan for us. Allow us to yield to your Holy Spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the story of the rich young man is found in three of the Gospels, and it's almost word for word in each. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the same story appears. So here's the story from Matthew 19, verse 16 to 24. Now someone approached him and said, Teacher, what good must I do to gain eternal life? He answered him, Why do you ask me about the good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He asked him, Which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All of these I have observed, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away sad. For he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when I hear, he went away sad, for he had several possessions. So this was a rich young man, a wealthy man, probably someone who had worked hard and accomplished a lot. He was in a position to learn and study the law. He was probably proud of how well he had done economically and how well he had done and is doing morally. Like This is a good citizen. But when the Lord pressed him, challenged him to sell all he has and give to the poor, he just couldn't do it. It pushed him too far, and he walked away sad. He valued his possessions more than he valued following Jesus. Now, it is okay to desire good things. In fact, it's actually probably the right disposition, the right attitude to desire good things. If you desired bad things, we would think something's wrong with you. But we have to be able to see what is most valuable and what would what would and what should be our top priority. I've talked about goal setting in a few of the previous episodes, 
And when I ask people what their ultimate goal is, I would love to constantly get the answer, going to heaven. One of my favorite uh, preachers is Father Larry Richards, and he always says we have two choices. We can either be a saint or we can go to hell. And it is really that simple. I regularly have to ask myself, is everything I'm doing moving me toward my ultimate goal of being a saint, of getting to heaven? And unfortunately, the answer is regularly no. It's so easy to lose sight of that goal when we're constantly bombarded by the concerns of this world. And depending on your vocation, the concerns of this world, they're going to look different for many of us. And they're constantly changing and we can lose sight of our ultimate goal so easily. We, we start to desire, we think, or we act in a way that doesn't lead us to heaven. And that's why the gift of confession is so great for us Catholics, that we can repent to the Lord for those times when we aren't in full pursuit of him. So thinking about this young man, his priorities were more worldly than godly. He really wanted the Lord to encourage him and to congratulate him on living his life in his own outline, right? In his own structure. And he went away sad. He might have been disappointed in the request from Jesus. Maybe maybe he was seeking praise and encouragement and instead got met with a challenge. Maybe he was upset and sad with himself for not being able to to let go of all his possessions and follow the Lord. Or maybe he was sad because the value he put on the possessions and he realized that the Lord did not share his perspective. Maybe he was disappointed that his life's work was not as valuable as he thought. And Jesus' final line, that's a killer one, one that I think some of us will latch on to uh, when we do have that argument of you know, the virtuousness of poor versus rich. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he reiterates it. Again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. But there are some wealthy people, when we read scriptures, that Jesus seems to find favor with, or at least sees them as righteous. Right, Joseph of Arimathea the man who asked Pilate for Jesus' body, offered his tomb for him to be buried in. Only the wealthy could afford tombs that were cut into stone. You know, I also think of Lazarus of Bethany, who Jesus rose from the dead. They were good friends. Lazarus was likely wealthy, as his tomb was cut into a rock as well. So why did Jesus not require these people and others to sell everything they had to follow him? And I think it's because of the relationship that they had with money. In Matthew 6, verse 24, we read, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And right, we know mammon is the love of money. So I think Lazarus of Bethany and Joseph of Arimathea They were devoted to God as their master. Whereas this rich young man was devoted to mammon as his master. Yes, he followed the commandments, but his heart was not in it. Had his heart been in following the Lord's commands, he would have joyfully sold all that he had 
and have given it to the poor, but he didn't. See, in Scripture, the rich are those that put their trust in money, those that serve mammon as their master. The poor are those that put their trust in the Lord, those that serve God as their master. I've referenced this book uh, in some other episodes, but in the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Catholic Church, we read in paragraph 324, Those who recognize their own poverty before God, regardless of their situation in life, receive particular attention from Him. When the poor man seeks, the Lord answers. When he cries out, the Lord listens. The divine promises are addressed to the poor. They will be heirs to the covenant between God and his people. God's saving intervention will come about through a new David, who, like King David, only more so, will be defender of the poor and promoter of justice. He will establish a new covenant and will write a new law in the hearts of believers. When sought or accepted with a religious attitude, poverty opens one to recognizing and accepting the order of creation. In this perspective, the rich man is the one who places his trust in his possessions rather than in God. He is the man who makes himself strong by the works of his own hands and trusts only in his own strength. Poverty takes on the status of a moral value when it becomes an attitude of humble availability and openness to God of trust in Him. This attitude makes it possible for people to recognize the relativity of economic goods and to treat them as divine gifts to be administered and shared because God is the first owner of all goods. Wow. There is a lot in there, and we could probably spend hours on that. But see, all goods belong to God. Everything belongs to God. Everything. And if our goal is to get to heaven, we need to place our trust in God. And then everything we do should point to that. If we hear the Lord tell us to sell everything and give it all to the poor, we better do that. He doesn't tell everyone to do that, but if he tells you to do it, you must. For many of us, we would love to hear it in a, that loud and direct way that this rich young man heard it from the Lord. Even as hard a, a command as that would be, it would definitely give us great relief and confidence in hearing the Lord that quickly and that clearly. At least it would for me. But many times our discernment of what the Lord is calling us to it's not that clear, and it's not that quick. Sometimes it might be, but most times it's not. The Lord slowly warms our hearts and slowly makes his plan known to us. He has his way and his time, but in the fullness of his time, he might require a new level of sacrifice, a new challenge to invite us more closely to follow him. So why would I, with a quasi-financial podcast here talk about the rich young man this seems to be very much a spiritual topic more than a financial one well if our goal is to get to heaven 
if God created us for the purpose of knowing him, loving him, and serving him in this life so that we can be happy with him forever in the next, then we need to understand how to know, love, and serve him with our finances. This is where faith and finances, they intersect. This is the whole purpose of this podcast. How do we prayerfully manage our finances? How do we prayerfully discern our goals? How do we and our spouse lovingly manage the finances together? How do we seek God's will together? Are we doing this to serve God? Or do we have a different master? You know, I'm guilty sometimes and thinking about my or ours, Taryn's, and my financial situation. I can get caught up in thinking of the different hopes and dreams we have that, you know, are related to money. Paying off the house, paying for kids' weddings, being outrageously generous, trying to save for retirement. And these are all good things. But there have been times when when I worry. If we have a dip in income, if we, I don't know, if something doesn't deliver the way we expect it to, something doesn't come through, you know, it, it, I can be disappointed. I can go away sad. But when I remember, when I go to prayer and I remember that my ultimate goal is it's not those things. My ultimate goal is to one day be in heaven with the Lord. Well, my joy returns and I push forward. I remember to place my trust in God and all that he has already blessed me with. Because I remember I have nothing to worry about. I need to be diligent in my efforts, but only because as I serve others, I'm serving the Lord. And he will bless me for that. He does bless me for that. And it might not always be the way that I want to be blessed or that I expect to be blessed. And many times I might not have the right disposition to experience his blessings. I've shared parts of our story along the way here, but one part that really relates to this is about our household income. Uh, when Taryn and I were first married 20 years ago, our household income was $40,000 annually. Right? Things were tight, and as our family grew and we bought cars and a home, things got tighter. And we weren't making the best financial decisions. We weren't working together, and we weren't prayerfully seeking the Lord's will for our finances. But I remember thinking, wow, if I could just make $100,000 a year, we'd be fine. I was, well, kind of putting my hope and trust in our income, thinking if we just had more money, everything would be fine. We also weren't tithing. We'd give to the Lord a small pittance, maybe a little more if, if we had anything left. But we did not have the right attitude or the right disposition, and this is what put us into a financial pickle. I remember thinking, it was probably 10 years ago, uh, 10 years into our marriage, that we were finally making $100,000 a year, and, and things were tighter than ever. And that's when I started seeking wisdom, learning about handling finances, and it took me, oh, maybe a year and a half, two years, to get fully on board and to talk to Taryn and convince her to participate as well. And when we started budgeting and tithing, things felt even tighter. But then we started prayerfully discerning our finances. We started making better decisions. We began working together. And then slowly our income continued to grow. And I remember thinking in prayer one day, wow, Lord, you finally started blessing us when we started tithing. And I felt the Lord say, no, you idiot. 
I've been blessing you the whole time. How do you think you went from 40000 to 100000 income? That was me. You just weren't doing your part. You didn't get to fully experience that as a blessing. I remember that hit me it, it, so hard. It was so true. If we had been better stewards of the money the Lord blessed us with, we would have better felt and experienced those blessings. So when, when we're tempted to think it's holier, more virtuous to be poor, we need to look at how we are managing our money. Are we just a financial mess? Are we just the sum of the poor decisions that we've made? Because the Lord is blessing us. But have we put ourselves in a position where we can't experience his blessings? The Lord requires our participation in his plan for our lives. That's how we get joy. Once we start seeking his wisdom and following the promptings of his spirit, we're better able to experience all the ways that he blesses us. If this is resonating with you today, take a moment and bring this to prayer. See in your life where maybe you've become the rich young man. What areas are you reluctant to change or let go of? What is it that you long for the most or put your trust in the most? If it isn't heaven, if it's not the Lord, ask the Lord for strength to change those areas and those attitudes so that you can feel the full joy and hope of following him. So let's just say a little prayer here. Lord Jesus, I desire to follow you more than anything else. I long to live forever in heaven with you. Reveal to me those areas where you are not the Lord of my life. Those areas where I seek my own will and not yours. Give me the strength, the grace, the courage to surrender those areas of my life and my will to your Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and fill me with the joy and peace of doing the Lord's will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there you have it. Some thoughts and perspective on the rich young man. And hopefully, some insight into your own spirit. I hope this was helpful today. Thank you for joining me. God bless. Thank you for listening to Catholic Money Talk. I hope you join us again next time. Please click subscribe in your podcast app to get notified of new episodes. God bless you and have a great day.